0: From in the beginning to the musical apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What. I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Biblical financial advice. Who wouldn't want to seek financial advice from the smartest being ever to exist? What does the loving Christian deity have to say about finances? Well, if your interests lie in the human trafficking department and you're not sure what you should set your prices to, check out Leviticus 27, 1-7. Yahweh gets into detail as to how much your slaves should be going for. Market value stuff. Better yet, it's never easy to decide on the rules for selling one's own daughter into servitude. Check out Exodus 21, verse 7. The Christian deity has it all figured out. Human trafficking is not your business? No problem. According to Matthew 21 and Luke 12, 33, Jesus wants you to sell all your shit and give it to the poor anyway. Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? okay so it took you reading the bible to realize that those things were bad for you yeah it actually did i didn't didn't. figure this out on your own no Ted, ted bundy could be redeemed God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is the owner of True Legacy Financial. He's also a certified financial planner and kingdom advisor, Keith Conley. Welcome to the show, Keith. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. Tell the folks at home a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I live in Orange County, but what I do is I work with clients all across the country, uh, helping them make financial decisions that is compatible with their faith values. Hmm. Uh, and so, I, you know, I'm a holistic advisor working with individuals, churches and business owners helping them make financial decisions that will help them realize their most ideal life, hmm. which is the outliving of their values and having their decisions regarding their finances uh, match those values. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Thank you for that. Well, why'd you get into that? What, what brought you into this industry?
1: Yeah, well, I I, I trained uh, through undergrad and graduate school to become a pastor. Oh. Uh, I, I went to Moody Bible Institute for undergrad at Chicago. Many of your listeners are probably familiar with it, with Moody, at least in name. Yeah. And then I went to a, a small seminary out on the West Coast for my master's of divinity degree. Hmm. Um, I grew up the son of a business owner. Didn't really at the time have any interest in it because I was so... Um, dedicated to ministry, Hmm. Uh, but I met my wife in seminary, and after seminary, my wife and I moved to Portland, Oregon, where I I served in a church for a few years, Hmm. and it was there that I was faced with a a problem with a a couple in our church who came to me for counseling Hmm. because they were having financial struggles, and at the time I felt very good about, you know, encouraging them from the word of God and, you know, ensuring them that God was with them. And, mm. but I had this nagging feeling that I didn't know what to tell them to do about their money. <laughs> uh, and so I, I kind of felt like, you know, in, in, in the book of James, where people, where James says, you know, you shouldn't be telling people, you know, God bless you and go on their way. And, they're hungry, not give them something to eat. Right. And you know, I felt like I couldn't help them. Uh-huh. I could encourage them, but I, I couldn't help them with their physical, you know, um, earthly needs right then and there. Mm. Uh, and, and that really stuck with me for a long time. And, and, you know, in, in the Lord's providence, pastoral ministry just was not my calling.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: And so after our time there in Portland ended my wife and I moved back to central Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, in again, in Laura's Providence, I started working for the state of Pennsylvania in the student loan world, doing huh. student loan consulting. And it was there at the first time I, I, I learned how to read taxes. I learned how to talk to people about money huh. and It was just kind of interesting because, you know, I had never been interested in any of this stuff, but all of a sudden I got really interested in learning about how to read taxes. And I Mm. learned what an S corp was. I I learned what a a schedule K was. I learned what a W two was. And at the time I had been praying that the Lord would provide me direction on a way to serve him, because that's really where my heart still was. Uh, and as I started reading about personal finance and listening to podcasts on on this topic, it just kind of struck me one day, why can't I serve the Lord in financial counseling or consulting? Hmm. So I started reading about financial planning, and I I, I I honestly, Michael, didn't know anything. You know, I could barely tell you what a stock was, let alone, you know, which <laughs> ones to buy. Right. Uh, but I just kept learning and I kept reading and and then I found out about this really interesting organization called the Kingdom Advisors. Hmm. And what the Kingdom Advisors is, it's an organization started by Ron Blue, uh, where the, their advisors are attorneys, financial advisors, accountants, and people in, in the services industry who are trained to bring biblical wisdom with the advice they provide. And that that really interested me, it, it piqued my curiosity. And, and at the same time I was learning about what it was to be a financial advisor and how to become one. And I learned about the Certified Financial Planner designation. And in my research, I found a uh, program where I could do the education requirement for both the Certified Financial Planner and Certified Kingdom Advisor. it really really interested me I really wanted to do it but I felt very intimidated Hmm. because here I was you know just a a ministry you know trained in ministry working for the state of Pennsylvania I wasn't an advisor most people who were doing these programs have been in the industry for several years Hmm. and I thought well I, I could never do this but I it it the idea wouldn't leave my mind.
0: Well, it's a so, way to meld two things that you're really passionate about into one thing. Yeah. I mean that makes sense.
1: And so, <laughs> you know, the certified financial planner is, you know, the highest designation in our industry. And 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 you know the education requirement is one of the the couple tenets that you need to accomplish to get the designation. Hmm. But I I was interested in becoming a financial advisor, but what I wasn't interested in doing was working for a very big box financial advisor firm, you know, the ones that we've all heard of, not knowing anything, getting trained mm-hmm. to bring my friends and neighbors and family to them for advice from some trainer who when I didn't know what was what, you know, I didn't know one way or the mm-hmm. other to sell some product. So what I decided to do was I bought the education requirement for both of those programs. And in the, and when I wasn't working, I w- was studying those you were programs. Learning. Yeah. And I, what I figured was, Hey, if I can, if I can master the, the education in both of these programs, hmm. I'm going to be marketable to an actual, you know, independent advisor firm. Hmm. A, a junior advisor.
2: Yeah.
0: And what happened?
1: So if, you know, during that time, my wife and I became foster parents. And then we eventually adopted our children.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We moved back to California, and right before we moved back to California, I finished the education requirement for both. Mm. Uh, I got a very strong uh, encouragement from uh, the the supervisor who reviewed my final uh, project for certified financial planner requirement. I had to do an actual financial plan and I got really good accolades on that. Hmm. And when we moved to California, I I teased people that I unloaded the truck and said goodbye to my family for three months. Hmm. And in, in March of 2018, I, I actually passed the CFP exam.
2: Congrats, and man.
1: It, it, it's, it's, it's different road than most people take. But it was the best road for me and, and I would do it over again. Now, most people get, you know, their series seven or their 65, you know, their securities licenses, hmm. and they do that for several years before they take the CFP exam. CFP exam is is no joke. And the fact that <laughs> I passed it <laughs> is, is pretty miraculous, honestly. Hmm. Uh, from going, being, being able to barely tell you what a stock was to passing the hardest exam in the whole industry.
0: Yeah. Well, good job studying and getting ready for that. I mean, that's a lot of work, man.
1: I started in the business. I met my mentor, Mm. uh, and we were in California at the time. So I met my mentor and I've been working in the industry ever since.
0: Mm. Nice. Thank you for that. That's, that's quite a journey. Looks like you've done a lot of hard work to get where you're at.
1: You know, in God's goodness, I've made it this far.
0: Well, I see a lot of you in there. I see a lot of you doing all the hard work there. I haven't seen God do any of the work yet so far um so let's get back into that I thank you uh, I appreciate that pastor why why Pastor why did you choose to be a pastor to begin with
1: i I love the church and I love God's word uh hmm. and and I love his people hmm. uh, and hmm. i I enjoyed studying God's word and teaching it and I still do to this day
2: hmm
0: Gotcha. So, what brought you to the church to begin with? When did you become a Christian?
1: Uh, I became a Christian in high school. Did not grow hmm. up in a Christian home, and I heard the gospel on the radio. Uh, I was seventeen, mm-hmm. and uh, and from that point on, I I was interested in spiritual things. Hmm. Uh, I, I had been attending off and on a, a mainline, you know, liberal what I would consider to be apostate church at the time. And I quickly graduated from that and found a more evangelical, you know, Bible preaching church and spent quite a few years there. And and uh, and eventually, you know, I moved out of the area. I moved to Chicago and then to the West Coast. And and I've just remained in the church and and uh hmm. my family is very active in the church even to this day.
0: Gotcha. What well, what brought you into it? Um, you said you heard the gospel on the radio. What convinced you that this was the right path for you? Christianity.
1: Well, I mean, the Calvinistic answer is that uh, the Holy Spirit convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, what I have found is that I I can really rest assured that that what the Word of God says is true. Is okay. because it's based on history. And, you know, there are many hmm. mysterious things about the Christian faith, you know, how to explain the Trinity, how, you know, uh, there's a lot <laughs> of things that are beyond our grasp, right? Uh-huh. The fact that that I can know that Jesus was risen from the dead is true is because I have eyewitness accounts of it huh and and my faith rests on on the resurrection and ascension of our our lord huh people who actually saw it testified to it over 500 people this is not a fluke
0: who's the um, eyewitness account that you're referring to
1: no i mean the the apostle paul talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians 15 you know if christ hasn't been risen from the dead then our faith is in vain
0: did he witness and, it
1: Apostle Paul, no, but Uh-oh. there was five hundred witnesses uh, that didn't that write have... it down.
0: That's my problem. We got five hundred witnesses that didn't write it down. You know,
1: well, but not even have, one
0: drawing. You have
1: the apostle <laughs> Peter and and other folks mm. who who witnessed it, mm. who, who who testified to it, uh, and it, you know, it's very clear that there are even people who don't believe in Christ who witnessed it. And testify to it. Josephus makes reference to the resurrection of Christ,
0: but he wasn't um, witness either, though he's just hearsay. No, it's all hearsay at that he point,
1: was based upon oral and, and written testimonies that had yeah. been passed down from generations.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. So you know, Christianity is different than other religions. You know, for example, Islam.
2: Mm.
1: When how did how did Muhammad receive his revelation? It was done in secret in a cave. No one else was there.
0: Is there historical uh, evidence for the things that happened in the Quran? No. No. So that time period, there was no nobody I mean, named Muhammad walking around?
1: I didn't say that Muhammad didn't exist, but his... Oh, there's so no there is
0: history in there. So there's there true is, history inside yeah. the Quran, and there's true history inside the Bible. But the Bible is correct, and the Quran is not. Am I, am I getting this?
1: The Quran Quran cannot be correct Hmm. or it can't be verified because the revelation that Muhammad received was done in secret. And time and again, the revelation of of Hmm. God came with eyewitness testimony. For example, Moses was on Mount Sinai and there was the cloud overshadowing the mountain and the people of Israel knew that God was with Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay. There was the burning bush, there was the the lights and and the and the cloud and hmm. uh for with Israel there was time and again proof of God's revelation. This was not done in secret. This was open to everybody to see.
0: Do, Whereas, so we have other cultures that wrote about Yahweh. They witnessed this. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if it was everybody saw it and it wasn't in secret, or was it just this group of people that saw it and it was
1: well, their I, God? I, I think it would be pretty clear that the Egyptians saw a lot of of God's revelation in, in during the Exodus period.
0: Hmm. So during the Exodus, um, thank you for that. Uh, it, one part in there, it says that God's going to show off his powers and that the Egyptians will know he's God. In one part in there, it says that the Israelites are going to plunder the Egyptians when they're leaving. Um, None of those things happen. Uh, The Egyptians aren't Christians. They never turned Jewish. None of that. They still were worshiping their own gods. Even after God had shown off all his powers and killed all the kids in their sleep. Even after all that.
1: Because God hardened their hearts.
0: So God hardened their hearts on purpose. All the Egyptians.
1: The, the, it's at least Pharaoh, for sure.
0: Yeah, he definitely hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's in there. Uh, he did it on purpose. Um, he says he did it. He even brought Pharaoh up to show off his powers that he might be proclaimed in all the earth. And didn't happen. Oh, well, I don't know if his plan failed there or if he just tweaked it differently at the end there. But that didn't quite mean? happen. The, the Egyptians don't see him as God.
1: Oh, number right.
2: Number
0: one. That's first off. So that didn't happen.
1: Well, just because revelation has happened and and because God has made Himself known, you're right. We haven't. We have ha, that hasn't always meant, you know, universal acceptance and hmm. universal repentance and belief. A lot of times, it it's brought the exact opposite.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: God's sovereignty.
0: So God caused something to happen, knowing that it would cause people to not worship him or, or think differently of him
1: well I, I I think that these are some of the more difficult topics in the scriptures you know when hmm. you talk about God's revelation in and, in and God's revelation in, in the Bible we see God consistently drawing people himself and and passing over others
0: hmm. why do you think God passes over people doesn't he love everybody and want to save everybody
1: well I think the better question is, why did God save anybody at all? Hmm. Because we're all equally deserving of condemnation.
0: Who says we're deserving of condemnation? Who? Who says we're deserving of condemnation?
1: The the Bible is very clear that all men is is fallen short of the glory of God through their sin. Yes, through the sin of Adam and through their own personal sin.
0: So God thinks we're deserving of condemnation because of sin. What sin have you done that you feel you deserve condemnation? All of them. (laughs) Well, I don't think you deserve condemnation. I don't see you as a horrible person. Um, But that's just me. I'm not an all-knowing God, I guess. You must be a pretty nasty little fella if God thinks you deserve condemnation. Um, Interesting thought, though. Interesting so as far as sin goes, what is sin to you?
1: Sin is, is is doing things that are prohibited by God and not doing the things that are commanded by God.
0: Prohibited so and not commanded. So if we omission, don't listen.
1: Sins of commission and sins of omission.
0: Hmm. Give me an example of those.
1: Well, I mean, I think, I think the Ten Commandments. You know, if I'm not worshiping the Lord. Hmm. You know, just for example, uh I'm I'm sinning and if I'm stealing if I'm it's stealing, a... yeah, I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. I'm taking that's the- a sin
0: against humanity because you're stealing from humans. Um I I think, anyways. Um, but the not worshiping, that's a very specific one. So not worshiping God is a sin, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the Bible says you shouldn't have any uh, Other gods. And the fact is that we're all always worshipping. The question is who and what we're worshipping.
0: Describe worshipping. What is worshipping to you?
1: Giving glory to God that is deserving of only him.
0: Interesting. Deserving only to him. Why?
1: Because he's the creator. He's the only God.
2: Hmm.
0: So, worshipping is giving glory to God. What if I don't worship um, anything? Like, I don't give glory to anything.
1: That's not possible. We're always giving our our allegiance and our worship to something.
0: Allegiance. Something. Allegiance. Interesting. I, I Again, I don't give my allegiance to anything or anyone. I, I can't think of anything that I worship. Honestly, it's a—it's always been kind of a weird concept for me. Even when I was in the church, going through the motions um, of worshiping this being, um, I always found it a little bit odd—the whole concept of worship. So, I—I I don't see myself giving an allegiance to anything. I don't see myself worshiping anything. Um, so, besides that, why—why why is worshiping God a good thing? Like, why does He need this? This attention.
1: Why does God need the attention? It's not that he needs it's it's not that he needs it, and God is all sufficient.
0: So he doesn't need us.
1: But he created us for his his glory.
0: For his glory. He created us for his own glory. Absolutely. Well, we're pretty terrible. Human race is pretty terrible.
1: But that's not how he created us, Michael.
0: How did he create us and and who screwed it up?
1: The Bible says he created Adam and Eve and that Adam and Eve sinned by disobeying God.
0: What did they do to sin?
1: They, they took the forbidden fruit.
0: Who put the fruit there? God put the fruit there. Could Mm -hmm. God have put the fruit anywhere else? Did he know they were going to eat it if he put it in the middle of the garden? Yes. So whose fault is it that they ate of the tree?
1: Adam and Eve's fault.
0: God's fault. God knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what they were going to do when he put that tree in the middle of the garden. They did not know right from wrong. It was a tree of good and evil. They did not know it was wrong or evil to disobey God.
1: Of course they did. God told them that.
0: God told them, but they didn't understand it because they didn't have that understanding because they didn't eat the tree. That's where I'm at. I feel like they were kind of children. You know, basic, needing to learn the ways of the world. And God said, don't do this. Well, what's any kid going to do when you tell them not to eat something? You have kids. You know they're going to eat it.
1: (laughs) and, And our children are always born in sin. Adam the and children not- are
0: born in sin because of Adam's fruit eating. Right. Right. And how does that work?
1: What does what work
0: being born into sin? Because some ancient guy ate fruit.
1: Oh, it's it's federal headship. God is our or Adam is our representative.
0: God chose Adam to be our representative. I didn't choose Adam to be my representative. Did you choose
1: Adam? Doesn't
0: no. matter. It does, though, because this is the big sin. This is the OG sin. This is the one that set off this domino effect of bad things happening and people becoming evil. I guess essentially, it's because Adam ate the fruit that God put in the middle of the desert or the the garden.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If God put His tree on the moon, what would happen? Well,
1: but if God hadn't, God created man with free will in the garden. That's and not
0: free will. When you interject something in there, you're interfering in someone's free will. You've interjected an evil thing. You've put it there. If I put a gummy worm that's laced with poison in the middle of a daycare and the kids eat it, that's my fault, not the kid's fault. That's how that works.
1: Well, but Adam and Eve were created without sin and they knew they had everything else in the garden. And it. my point is that God created him with free will. If, if hmm. he hadn't created them with free will then they would have been technically robots
0: they could have had free will in no tree is that correct
1: what would they have free will to do then
0: whatever they want they just wouldn't have a poison tree in the middle of the garden right right so they still have free will without a tree it's still possible you don't have to put danger in the middle of a playroom and then is the snake satan is that uh something you follow yes yeah who let that guy in there who let the bad guy into the daycare
1: but again again you're 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 missing the point that god created man with the ability to choose good or evil
0: he didn't have to throw evil at them why do you have to throw evil at them to see what they're going to choose? If you are, especially if you already know the the outcome, if I already know my kids are going to do the evil thing when I throw it at them and then I punish them for it, like that's weird. I did that. I caused that to happen, knowing what would happen. I'm the one responsible. God needs to take some responsibility for his actions. He created the tree. He put the tree in the middle of the garden. He opened the back door, let the snake in. He allowed the snake to talk. That's an interesting one to begin with. He knew. He created Satan. There's a big one. Why would you create Satan? The ultimate bad guy. I wouldn't create the ultimate bad guy. And then go, here you go, guys. Kids, good luck. Free will. It's coming. It's going to (laughs) suck because I'm creating a bad guy. Can we have free will without a bad guy?
1: I don't know what we would have free will to do.
0: Anything we want. We just wouldn't have a bad guy. Just makes sense to me. <laughs> uh is there is there free will in heaven, Keith? Do you believe that there's free will in heaven?
1: I think at that point we will uh be glorified in and this the promise that God gave to Adam and Eve that if they would have obeyed, hmm. they would uh receive glory or glorification hmm. and blessings and at that point no i mean satan will be banished uh sin Mm. will be defeated uh Mm. and and so while we would sure if you want to call it free will sure but there will be no more um evil allowed into heaven
0: no more evil will be allowed into heaven so there's evil allowed into heaven now or is it just at a certain time no more evil will be allowed in heaven
1: well, it's not, that, it's not that there's evil in heaven, but the the heaven and the earth will be restored and glorified, and evil will be punished and, and thrown into hell.
0: Evil will be punished and thrown into hell. But not now. He's waiting for that specific time to throw evil into hell.
1: There's the final judgment.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So at one point there was evil in heaven. Spiritual it Ephesians went, 6, 12.
1: When, when Satan rebelled because Satan is an angel who was created yeah. good. Yes. The, I mean, it, it happened and then God banished
0: hmm.
1: Satan from heaven.
0: Ephesians 6, 12 spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, and then also you, you mentioned the Satan thing too um so satan was allowed to sin in heaven god created a being he knew would sin and he would have to cast out and he would be the ultimate bad guy is this something you believe sure yeah is this something you would do
1: Uh, it's what would i
0: do would you create an ultimate bad guy knowing he's going to be an ultimate bad guy.
1: Does it matter?
0: It does, because, I mean, as rational, loving human beings, we wouldn't create a bad guy and release him upon our children. This is exactly what God did. He created a bad guy, knowing how bad this guy was going to be, and then released him upon his children. He gave the devil dominion over the earth. Right now, he's king of the earth, according to the Bible. Which is weird. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I don't think you would do that. Right?
1: I'm not God.
0: Exactly. We're not God. We We don't drown children. We don't send bad guys. We don't put magical trees in there to cause the fall of man. We don't get mad when somebody doesn't worship us. We are just mere human beings with better rationality from what I can see.
1: Well, I mean, God, we know that God is good and we know that God has the ability and and has promised to deal with sin. And the way that he deals with it is through his son. And we know that God will punish all wrongs, whether through the blood of Christ or through his just judgment on the last day. Hmm. And God's judgment comes at the right time. And Mm. we know that that God will uh, heal all hurts, and God will forgive sins for his people, Mm. and nothing can separate us from his love.
0: Well, I mean, we can blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and we can sin against him. He'll throw us in hell. Um, That's kind of separation from his love as far as I see. But you you mentioned you know that God is good. That's an interesting statement. How do you know God is good?
1: Because he sent his son.
0: You know he's good because he sent his son to die because he refused to forgive people without bloodshed. So he created a clone of himself to come down to earth and get slaughtered to bathe people in his magical blood to save them from his anger and the hellfire he will throw them into. I don't see that as good. We can forgive without bloodshed. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That makes us better than God, as far as I'm concerned. I don't see that as a good thing, needing bloodshed for forgiveness. Please explain to me how that's a good thing.
1: Well, I mean, our 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 forgiveness is separate and different from God's. How? How is it different? Yeah, well, I mean, God is God is the creator. You've mentioned that, God.
0: yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I am a creator of my kid. It doesn't mean my forgiveness is any different from my children's forgiveness. So, how is his forgiveness different?
1: Because we belong to the Lord, and 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 we, you created your kid. In a physical sense, but God created the whole earth. God, you know, you in gave a physical sense. I gave you your children.
0: God gave you my children. Sure. So he's to blame. All right. Now I know. All right. <laughs> uh yeah, no. Um forgiveness though. We 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 humans can forgive without bloodshed. I think that's a better way to do things. And we can also forgive and forget. We can also move on past these things. Um, God writes them in a book and talks to you about them later when you get to heaven. Um, so I, I I don't see it as even remotely the same thing.
1: It's not the same. god's God's forgiveness and our forgiveness are certainly different,
2: yeah, but
0: why? why is why is one good over the other? Is our forgiveness bad since we are able to forgive without bloodshed? That's a bad thing.
1: I think that our forgiveness is always different in that we have our own sins to deal with Hmm. and our own sins are always intertangled with any good that we do, including forgiveness. Hmm. I believe that sin, sin apart from Christ means that any good I do is permeated with sin.
0: Well that's terrible. Um it I think the good you do is just the good you do. I don't think it's permeated with sin. Um but I am curious though, Keith, would you would you personally choose to slaughter the innocent to forgive the guilty? No. Why not?
1: Because it's certainly not fair.
0: but it's a good thing when God does it help me understand
1: it's a good thing in that he voluntarily did it
0: well he cloned himself and sent himself down there I don't know it just seems all planned and predestined to me as far as the 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 God of the Bible goes
1: well the Bible says that God um, the son Uh voluntarily agreed before the foundations of the world to represent those whom the father had given to him Hmm. called the covenant of redemption to come and, and pay the penalty for the sins of his, those whom the father had given him before the foundations of the world.
0: Why though? Why does he have to do all of that? Can he just snap his fingers and forgive people? Can he just like twinkle his nose and, and I don't know something. Why does he have to kill himself to himself in order to save everybody from himself? I don't see that as loving. I don't see that as good. I don't see that as rational, logical. None of
1: that. Okay. But why does everything have to be rational?
0: Well, you're mentioning that God is good. And God is good because he killed himself to save us from himself. And I'm telling you, it's not rational. That's not loving. That's irrational. It doesn't make any sense. This all-powerful. God has to kill himself to himself. He set this up. This is his rule. These are his ideas. He could have done it any way. It could have been a limerick, a song, anything. But he chose bloodshed. I don't see that as a logical choice. You personally wouldn't do it. Because it's not a good thing. But God doesn't, and it's a good thing. Help me understand that logic.
1: I mean, I'm not prepared to address that issue right now.
0: All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks for sticking in there. Um, So you had mentioned that sin was defeated or will be defeated at the end.
1: Well, it has been already defeated and it will be fully judged on the last day.
0: So it's already... Def- sin- Explain that. How is sin already defeated?
1: Well, Christ covers our sins. And so nothing can uh, condemn us now because we're, we're in Christ.
0: Explain that. So nothing can condemn us because we're in Christ. Are we covered with blood? The invisible blood of Jesus that's covering our sins so God can't see them? I don't know. Explain.
1: Well, when Christ is our substitute, so his, him shedding his blood, when God looks at, at his people, they see Christ and not our sin. And
0: Christ <laughs> is our substitute. That's so gross, Keith. <laughs> Just think about that. Just think about it. He had to cover us in the blood of his son so he sees his son and not our disobedience. You don't, that doesn't sound weird do you?
1: It does sound weird, but yeah. it, okay. It's, okay. What, it's, <laughs> it, it's it's totally different than anything that would be anything that you and I would do. What? You know, we, we wouldn't send an uh, uh, innocent person to die for our sins, but that's what God did.
0: God didn't have to, but he did. God sent an innocent to die, but he didn't have to. If and me it- and you sent an innocent to die... And we didn't have to. That would make it a bad thing. But
1: we would have all been condemned.
0: By the same guy who's sending the innocent. Here's the problem. The guy is willing to condemn us for not worshiping him. I don't think that's a good reason to condemn somebody. It's a sin. It's a bad thing not to worship this being. And then because you didn't worship him, because I didn't worship him, or somebody else didn't worship him, he has to kill himself.
1: So let me ask you this, Michael. Is is Christ risen from the dead?
0: Is Christ risen? I don't think Christ is a real person. I think it's a title that they gave to Jesus. And no, I don't think that the Jewish guy rose from the dead. No. Why do you think he rose from the dead?
1: Because there were over 500 witnesses.
0: That never wrote anything down. Do we have 500 eyewitness letters? Stories? drawings, anything, or do we have just this book that has contradictory stories in it and... What
1: contradictory stories are in it?
0: Well, the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the the life of Jesus, all of these things have contradictions in them. Like what? Like his birth. Where was he born? Uh, Were there three wise men there? All kinds of different problematics with the stories. And then the, the... What was his last words? we got like four different things he said. Three, but still. It's contradictory. Who saw him at the tomb? Contradictory. What were there? Were there angels? Were there a young man? Was there thunder? All contradictory.
1: So if we have three different people who were at a particular battle in the Civil War who witnessed the same events and they talk about totally different things or, or they talk about... The same events using different, maybe a different order or a different names or, or a different emphasis. Does that mean that all three of those accounts are contradictory?
0: I don't know. It depends. just depends. Depends on what they're saying. If they're saying somebody rose from the dead in the battlefield. Yeah, it's probably wrong. Um, If they they said they, uh, somebody died over here, but it was over here. It was over here. It was over here. That's different. Or who was at the, the scene you know stuff like that we could we could verify all of that that's easy enough we can't do any of that with the bible we can't do none of that all we have is contradictory stories hearsay and i mean this stuff is old man this stuff is what was it 50 years after he died it was started to write about it you're telling me but for 50 years they were just talking about it and the story never changed it was completely accurate
1: how history was transferred from generation to generation back in the day before there was
0: right it's called oh, telephone and it word always word. gets changed that story always gets changed no matter what happens that story gets tweaked changed in some way so oh, how can we take any of them there, as truth
1: though proof of that.
0: there is it's called Matthew Mark Luke and John they're all three four different stories
1: there there are there's a different audience there's a different purpose different stories and a different emphasis but i wouldn't say that there's any contradictions of the gospels
0: what was jesus last words let's go there mark says um and at three in the afternoon jesus cried out in a loud voice uh my god my god why have you forsaken me so if we take mark that's what we say but matthew or sorry luke says father into your hands i commit my spirit John says it is finished and then he died. so which one was it we how now, can we tell
1: said that that I don't think any of them said that these were the last words of Jesus that's just what they and then were he called.
0: died and then he died. so I mean that's pretty much the last thing he said and then he died. so that's where I'm getting with that um has anybody seen Yahweh? there's another contradiction and John, Jesus says, no one has ever seen Yahweh at any time except Jesus. 1 Timothy, God, the blessed, and the one ruler, the king of the Lord, blah, 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 uh, whom no one has seen or can see. And then you go back to Moses. Moses saw him. Then you go back to Jacob. Jacob saw him. Jacob wrestled with him. So is is this not contradictory?
1: Well, Jacob wrestled the pre-incarnate Christ.
0: Jacob called the place Peniel because he saw... Yahweh face to face, and yet his life was spared. Genesis thirty two thirty, he right. saw God face to face.
1: But we're over here
0: in, in New the Testament saying nobody's ever seen God.
1: The preincarnate second person of the Triune God. Yes.
0: So you're not seeing this as a contradiction because why?
1: Well, because Jesus is a man who is part is God and man.
0: Great. But who has seen Yahweh's face? Has Moses seen Yahweh's face? Moses saw Yahweh face to face as friends do. That's Exodus 33. Exodus 34 says, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. That That's sounds like he saw God.
1: had a, a relationship. You know, Moses on Mount Sinai, the burning bush. Hmm. God revealed himself in the form of a burning bush.
0: Correct. But he also was friends with him and they saw each other face to face. Exodus 33, 11 and Exodus thirty-four ten both state this. Do you believe that Moses saw him face to face?
1: Yes, in the form of a burning bush. Yes. They had intimate conversations. It's not a
0: face. Keith, face to face is not face to burning bush. There's a big difference there. It doesn't say it Moses saw God in a bush and that is it. That's not what it says.
1: It's and, a big the Bible difference. also talks about, you know, the arms of the Lord or or the, the wings of God, and these are all euphemisms to talk about how God reveals himself hmm. and makes himself known, not necessarily to be taken literally. God doesn't have arms.
0: In truth, God doesn't have arms. That's a that's a statement. <laughs> God doesn't have arms. Is that is, is that what you just said? I
1: mean, God doesn't have a body like men.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's just a really funny picture. I just my imagination took me over there. <laughs> God doesn't have arms. I love it. Um, Judas's death. There's another contradiction there. How did Judas die? We got Matthew 27:5. Judas threw the money into the temple and left, then he went away and hung himself. Acts 118 says that he bought a field, then he fell headlong and his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. So did he fall off a cliff or did he hang himself? I
1: mean, why can't both of those things be true?
0: Because they're contradictions. Hmm. So he hung himself and then jumped off a cliff or he jumped off a cliff, had his intestines spill out and then hung himself.
1: Axe says that he fell forward and, and his intestines spilled out of his body. Why could
0: headlong. fell headlong. I don't know what that means. I'm going headlong, like, I don't know. <laughs> How do you take headlong? <laughs> Good question. I wonder what that means. How do you take headlong? I take it as falling off a cliff.
1: It's just been the way that he hung himself. I mean, there's multiple ways to do it.
0: Multiple ways to hang yourself. So did he? Okay, so an axe did he fall on his head? Fell headlong, and his body burst open.
1: I I can't answer that. I I don't oh, yeah. know.
0: Well, thanks for trying, anyways. <laughs> so that's Judas. That's a contradiction there, as far as I see. Um, there's there's birds from the Genesis. Where do they come from? Um, the dirt or the or the sea? We're not really sure because it says two different things. Um, where's the water covering? Uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's a good one too, but that's different. Genesis one and two. There's different there. Um, as far as the creation stories,
1: why do you think the creation stories are, are contradictory?
0: Ah, thanks for asking that. Genesis one tells a completely different story from Genesis two In Genesis one chapter one, God created man and woman after he created all the animals That's Genesis one twenty-seven. But in Genesis chapter two, Yahweh claims to have created Adam first, then the animals and then Eve. Genesis 2, 22. It's a different order there and different reasonings for each of these things too.
1: I think that you're missing the fact that Genesis 1 and 2, I don't take to be narrative.
0: What do you take them as?
1: I would take it as poetic.
0: Poetic. So God did not create the heavens and earth.
1: Oh, he absolutely did. But he Oh, wrote, so he did. But Genesis 1 and 2, or at least oh. Genesis 1 at the very least, is poetic
0: genesis one is poetic so when god said he created man and woman after he created all the animals that was just poetic and it wasn't an actual order of things
1: possible yes because if you look look at at genesis one Hmm. the word yom which is day is Mm -hmm. used six or seven different ways Hmm. and so So, we you know there's a lot of uh, literary uh uh freedom in in those passages but hmm. you know we need to we need to affirm like god, god did create the world and god did create a literal adam and eve
0: and the tree and the snake and the serpent and satan and all that
1: and the whole world
0: and the whole world and hell hell is hell something you believe in Is hell something you believe in? Yes. Yes. What is it to you? Can you describe it?
1: I would say that it's revealed as as a lake of, of burning fire, and it's the place where um, God's judgment, where people receive God's eternal judgment.
0: God's eternal judgment into a lake of fire. Correct. So for not worshiping God, would we be sent into a lake of fire? Definitely. So not worshiping God deserves eternal fire. Do you think that's a fair judgment? Definitely. Why?
1: Because we were created to worship.
0: So because we were created to worship God, it's okay for God to burn us for eternity for not worshiping him.
1: Any sin. Any sin. give God's condemnation.
0: If I stole a candy bar to survive. If I stole a bag of rice to save my family. That's a sin, right? Would be, yeah. So I deserve to burn forever for not worshiping God and stealing a bag of rice to save my family. I'm not really sure I can get behind that kind of person or being. That just sounds like a monster to me, Keith. I don't know.
1: I mean, doesn't sound like a good guy. These hypotheticals, you know, one-sided statements. We, there's a hundred other parts of that story that we don't know that, that are yeah. made up. I mean, the fact is that everything I do, whether it's good or bad, especially, you know, even the good, is riddled with my own sin.
0: Hmm. I'm sorry you think that way, Keith. I think you can do good just to do good. You don't have to worry about sin and, and, and making this bloodthirsty, fire, hell creating, being angry. I don't know. That just seems like a lot to me. And I don't know if I can get behind that kind of thing, Keith. Um, but we are getting out of time here. I got to get going. I appreciate everything today. Go ahead. And where can we find you? And, and any last words, of course.
1: I mean, uh, i you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn uh, just about every day. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well.
0: LinkedIn. Oh, man. You know how to run that thing? You're a better man than I am. I don't know how to do that thing for nothing. (laughs) All right, Keith, I appreciate your time today. Stay safe out there. We'll keep in touch. All right. Take
1: care. All right.
0: That's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find me at The Bible Says What YouTube and Facebook pages. You can also find clips of the show on TikTok under BSW The Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSWThePodcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will get you early access to each episode by at least three days, stickers, shirts, and shoutouts. That's patreon.com forward slash BSWThePodcast. For the latest events, BSW swag, including signed copies of The Bible Says What, the book, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them?
1: Next week on a bubble says what
0: you you have to not exist you have to be gone yeah thanks thanks again you, God you, you do not well you do not want to be in his presence right so I can't exist so, because I don't want to be in his presence. What a jerk right because because where would you be <laughs> somewhere I mean, else think, think about think think about what you're what you're saying right now this is John think to about what you're saying you're, saying. You, you're loving God it? refuses to create someplace he's not so I can exist without him. He
2: would rather me just be destroyed. What a jerk.